Welcome to the Course in Miracles podcast. Before the ayahuasca. Lesson 62. Forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. I just tripled, doubled my productivity because I, I realized I've been reading from the book the whole time. And as you've been listening, you could hear the rustle of the pages at the beginning of each episode. Or if I need to flip around, you can sort of hear the flipping around happening. And I just realized that I can read these things straight off the computer screen and just chill, not have to worry about reading the, you know, reading from the book and then you get what I'm saying, right? The microphone sort of gets in the way of the book and so you can't, it makes it really challenging to read because you have to be focused on the microphone and focused on the book. So why don't we, why don't we call that a miracle? We could, that could be considered to be a miracle. Perhaps the Holy Spirit just whispered into my ear that I could just read off the computer screen. There's all these tricky little things with podcasting. Podcasting, there's about seven tricky little things you have to figure out before you get to the point where you just record the episode and, and have it happen, have it download onto your phone. Um, and that's sort of like, that's, that's what makes or breaks the typical podcasters. They get caught up on like the, the third trickiest thing right? The third tricky thing. And, and uh, it's surprisingly challenging to like find out on like the internet how to do it. I remember wanting to start a podcast like several years ago, like 10 years ago, nine years ago, eight years ago. And I was like, all right, sweet, I'm gonna have a podcast. And it was like next to impossible to figure out, like before YouTube had had everything in the entire universe on it. Like it was really tricky. And that's sort of where you get, where you get uh, tripped up. It's in those, this is actually, it's not just podcasting, it's life. There's like seven tricky things that you need to figure out and, and in, in each specific area, you know, like some of us struggle with relationships and uh, the number of tricky things to figure out seems to be infinite, but God has us figured out. As I mentioned before, it's about Course in Miracles is a structure inside of which we can practice surrendering to God. As I probably uh, mention in every single episode also, uh, the anonymous programs are also a structure inside of which you surrender to God. I've heard it said that the 12 steps are the steps to God. It's like a stairway to God. It's a stairway to heaven. Um, So uh, whatever your path, um, whatever your path is, it occurs if you've been listening to... uh, 61 episodes up until now that perhaps Course in Miracles is part of your path or is your path. I believe that Course in Miracles, it's a definitive path, meaning you don't need to do any other path. This can be it. You could spend, you could spend an hour reading Course in Miracles every single day for the rest of your life and, I mean, barely scratch the surface of all that is buried within the book. And I do not say that um, I do not say that, um, I don't mean that in like a trivial way. It's, it's true. And the, uh, the book that is responsible for me being alive, uh, my, my basic text, which is the, the book for the anonymous program that I subscribe to or am a member of, it's only 164 pages. And you can, every time I pick it up, um, I discover something new very often, uh, not every time, but often. 
and there are studies. You know, you go to a study on like a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night, and people will spend an hour reading literally every single word in that book, and you know, looking up words as they go along, and the amount of wisdom that is buried within those 164 pages, it seems to be an infinite amount of wisdom. Um, and the, the beautiful thing about recovery, like real recovery, traditional recovery, is that um, it starts out as this thing that the addict or the alcoholic needs to relieve their suffering. Like, please, please, please just help me not have a drink. Please, please, please just help me not use heroin. Please, please, please help me to put my life back together. Please, please, please help me to, you know, and very often the ego will jump in there and they'll say, uh, I need to get a job or I need, to, I need to, this is a great one, I need to pay off my student loans before I go to rehab. I've heard that one. I actually talked a guy into, uh, I tacked a guy out of, out of paying off his student loans and into going to rehab in uh, probably a 20-minute conversation we had. And he chose rehab instead of paying off his credit card debt or his student loans or whatever it was. And he's been sober now for close to over 10 years, I want to say. Um, and that was not a miracle that I, you know, we talked about, um, I've mentioned before, consciously directed miracles. So miracles that you think or your ego thinks you should do, um, that he was assigned to me. So this other friend from high school called me up or sent me a Facebook message and was like, hey, man, can you help so-and-so? Or can, will you please talk to so-and-so? I know you're in recovery. This is um, Facebook, I think, and social media has done a lot for recovery because it just makes it much more accessible. And the beautiful thing about um, social media is that the people in the programs, you don't see them arguing. They, the programs remain anonymous, more or less. You'll see some like cryptic stuff or some quotes from Bill W. Actually, yesterday I slipped up and um, mentioned the program and that I'm a member of it and that is technically, that is technically a no-no. I'm supposed to remain, uh, keep a, a level of anonymity at the, it, retain a sense, pers it's personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. That's why you never see, um, you know, Slash, I think Slash is sober. You never see Slash uh, advertising or giving a shout out to said program. You never hear, um, who else? Uh, what's that woman? Julia Louis-Dreyfus, right? Christopher Guest's wife, the, ho the Halloween woman, and so many other books. Um, you never hear her, you'll hear her discuss sobriety, but you will not hear her discuss the program. Uh, Russell Brand, um, unfortunately, he wrote a book about the 12 steps for profit. And I personally found that to be a no-no. Although, you know, I've certainly been alluding to it a lot myself here. So perhaps that, to apply Course in Miracles principles to him, I would apply Lesson 46. God is the love in which I forgive you, Russell Brand, for selling out the program. God is the love in which I forgive myself. So by forgiving him and his ego and his self-seekingness, I am then forgiving that in myself. Um, this, however, there's no... I actually get a dollar a download. So tell all your friends that is not true at all. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'll get, get a sponsorship at some point. Somebody will offer me a sponsorship. Who knows? Um, my other podcasts, I kind of sprinkle in sponsorships. The Magic Pisces podcast. 
my rants, my ego rants. Anyway, um, thanks again. Lesson 62, forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. It is your forgiveness that will bring the world of darkness to light. It is your forgiveness that lets you recognize the light in which you see. Forgiveness is the demonstration that you are the light of the world. So when we are forgiving, we are demonstrating that we are the light. Through your forgiveness does the truth about yourself return to your memory. Therefore, in your forgiveness lies your salvation. So I'm going to read that again. Through your forgiveness does the truth about yourself return to your memory. So in other words, you've forgotten who you are, and through forgiveness you will remember. Illusions about yourself and the world are one. This is why all forgiveness is a gift to yourself. Your goal is to find out who you are, having denied your identity by attacking creation and its creator. So you are denying your identity when you attack God. Now you are learning how to remember the truth. For this attack must be replaced. For this attack must be replaced by forgiveness so that thoughts of life may replace thoughts of death. Remember that in every attack you call upon your own weakness, while each time you forgive, you call upon the strength of Christ in you. So whenever you are, um, you know, saying something snarky on social media or talking, uh, getting into the same old argument that you get into with your sibling or arguing with your spouse uh, or insisting on being right with your spouse or with your children or with whomever, right? You are actually, that's, those, that's kind of like attack. That's like bad thoughts towards someone are attack thoughts, right? And so whenever you are attacking, right, you are calling upon your weakness. So to attack someone is weak. It doesn't mean that we don't assert ourselves. It doesn't mean that we stand up for our, that we don't stand up for ourselves, etc. But we want to stay away from attacking. I noticed today um, that I really only attack or have a propensity to attack or one of the remaining places I'm uh, reliable or have a propensity to attack is when my life is put in danger, literally. So I ride a, a one-wheel electric skateboard all over town, uh, Encinitas, California. And as a person who has ridden skateboards through streets for a very, very, very long time, it's very, it, very easy to get hit by a car, right? I've ended up on at least one hood, at least the hood, the hood of at least one car, um, maybe more, but one specifically that I can remember. And when your life is threatened, you go into that sort of fight or flight or that survival self takes over and you're, you're likely to attack. And even if your life is in danger or has been put in danger and you attack, you know, if you're working a good program, a 12-step program, you're going to admit that you were wrong, right? So you're going to take that inventory and you're going to say, I'm wrong here. Hey, man, sorry. Even if, even if they were trying to run you over, if you attacked, right, you are calling upon weakness, right? So do you not then begin to understand what forgiveness will do for you? It will remove all sense of weakness, strain, and fatigue from your mind. Read that again. It will remove all sense of weakness, strain, and, for, and fatigue from your mind. It will take away all fear and guilt and pain. It will restore the invulnerability and power God gave his son to 
your awareness. So it will restore your invulnerability. So I believe it's lesson 26. My attack thoughts are attacking my invulnerability and forgiveness restores the invulnerability. Let us be glad to begin and end this day by practicing today's idea and to use it as frequently as possible throughout the day. It will help to make the day as happy for you as God wants you to be. And it will help those around you as well as those who seem to be far away in space and time to share this happiness with you. That's a cool one. And it will help those around you as well as those who seem to be far away in space and time to share this happiness with you so that you know, your mother or father on the other side of the world or the other side of the country or in that different city that you moved away from, etc. As often as you can, closing your eyes if possible, say to yourself today, forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. I would fulfill my function that I may be happy. Then devote a minute or two to considering your function as the hap- and the happiness and release it will bring you. Let related, related thoughts come freely, for your heart will recognize these words, and in your mind is the awareness they are true. Should your attention wander, repeat the idea and add, I would remember this because I want to be happy. So forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. So we're just going to you know, close your eyes. You kind of know the routine by now. These are shorter, shorter lessons as many times as you can, devote a minute, you know, or a couple minutes to just repeating, forgiveness is my function as the light of the world. I would fulfill my function that I may be happy, right? And so that's written in italics. I, by this point, I hope you've gotten a book or you've gone to acim.org and, um, and you've sort of read through a little bit of it. And there are italicized sections. And the, I've always related to the italicized section as uh, the prayers. They very often are, are prayers. And they are sprinkled throughout. They are, if you can just flip through the textbook, actually, the first 689 pages, and just look for the prayers. And just look for the italicized sections. Um, there are really amazing prayers throughout the entire book. Um, one of my favorites is, where is, it, where is it you will have me go? What is it that you will have me do? What is it that you will have me say and to who? I think I mixed the order up, but the essence of it is, where is it you will have me go? What is it that you would have me do? Where is it that you will have me go? What is it that you will have me do? What is it you will have me say and to whom? I actually have a song where that is the lyrics. And it's cool because it... Um, it sounds like it sounds like a love song, but it's actually a, it's actually a love song to God. It's a punk rock song too. Um, for some, at some point, I will get it recorded, and maybe I'll put it as the outro music. But uh, there are all sorts of prayers, again, sprinkled throughout the textbook. Here's one. I just my whole life as a podcaster has been transformed by as a result of not reading, flipping through the book. Now it's going to make this. Uh, it's going to be able to deliver much more miraculous content to you. Uh, here's one I found right at the beginning. Spirit is in a state of grace forever. Your reality is only spirit. Therefore, you are in a state of grace forever. So that's an italicized section. So that's one of those. That can be considered a prayer, even though it's being sort of spoken at you. You could also direct that towards someone. Let me see if I can dig up another one. Here's one. 
Perfect love casts out fear. If fear exists, then there is not perfect love. But only perfect love exists. If there is fear, it produces a state that does not exist. Believe this and you will be free. Only God can establish this solution and this faith is his gift. So just, you know, imagine you're in a situation where um, you're hating on someone for, to, to use that example um, of, you know, almost getting run, out of, out of, run over by a car on a skateboard. Perfect love is going to cast out that fear. And if, if there's fear, then there's no perfect love. And so by forgiving, by choosing to let that thing go and not giving or devoting any more of my energy to it, um, I am returned to a miracle-ready state. And I'm just going to go back. Uh, the, the, the main part of uh, the main, uh, the body of lesson excuse me, lesson 62, the, the main part of the episode has been completed. So you can, class, class is dismissed, but those of you who would like to stick around to hear me read some of the principles of miracles, you're welcome to. So this is at the very, very, very beginning, chapter one, section one, the meaning of miracles. So I'm just going to read a couple of these. Yeah, I mentioned this one, I believe yesterday. Uh, first principle of miracles, there is no order of difficulty in miracles. One is not, quote, harder or, quote, bigger than another. They are all the same. All expressions of love are maximal, right? Um, a lot of these are still really hard to digest. Number two, miracles as such do not matter. The only thing that matters is their source. So I'm assuming that's God, which is far beyond evaluation. So... This is a really cool one. Number three, miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. The real miracle is the love that inspires this. The real miracle is the love that inspires them. In this sense, everything that comes from love is a miracle. So when I decide to forgive the person who almost ran me over, and I genuinely forgive them. If I take, the, take maybe a split second to think about what their life must be like if they're having to be in such a rush that they're not paying enough attention to what's going on, that they almost run over the skateboard or, or you know, the woman walking her baby or whatever. If I take the time to sort of see things from their perspective um, and offer forgiveness, even if I don't understand their perspective necessarily, that could be considered a miracle because it's coming from love. If I actively choose to love that person, to love my enemy, that is a miracle. So, oh, this is a really cool one too. Number five, miracles are habits and should be involuntary. They should not be under conscious control. Consciously selected miracles can be misguided. So that's the the person who um, believes that they are the pointed, a chosen one, or the, the person who is in the, and, and, and therefore goes out to sort of manipulate reality in their favor or manipulate reality based on what they think is best. That's a consciously selected miracle, and that can be very misguided. And the closer you get to God, the, the further you get along in this course specifically, um, you'll s- sort of notice that God just 
will use you to perform a little miracle. Um, and I actually love to hear your miracle stories. If you have any sort of miraculous things that have occurred as the result of this, uh, shoot, them, shoot them to me in an email, Course in Miracles podcast at gmail.com. But basically our only job, it's like that prayer I just read or mentioned a minute ago. Um, where is it that you'll have me go? What is it that you'll have me do? What is it that you'll have me say? And to who? So you're just saying, hey, God, I'm available for love, right? And miracles are habits and should be involuntary, meaning they're sort of like, uh, when you think of something that's habitual, it's something that you do without thinking, right? So don't worry about the miracles that you need to perform um, you, will be, you will be assigned those you are supposed to perform them with. This is another super cool one. Miracles are natural. When they do not occur, something has gone wrong. Right? Wrap your head around that one. Miracles are natural. When they do not occur, something has gone wrong. So if you look at the example of Moses parting the Red Sea, right? if that hadn't occurred, then something would have gone wrong. And that's kind of comes back to... Um, there's no order of difficulty in miracles. And then I'm going to leave off, I think, with this one. So number eight, this is the eighth principle of miracles. Miracles are healing because they supply a lack. They are often, or they are performed by those who temporarily have more for those who temporarily have less. And where you're going to see this type of miracle happening as far as I know, more than anywhere else would be in the recovery community, where the, the, the person is like that example I used earlier. I, I performed a miracle for that guy when the guy reached out to me on Facebook and said, hey, would you talk to, uh, would you talk to so-and-so? And when I called so-and-so, it was interesting, too, because I hadn't talked to him in at least, I want to say at least seven or, or eight years, a long time, eight, nine years, maybe even 10. And... Um, I, I called him up, and he answered the phone, and he wasn't on Facebook, so he didn't know what I was up to. He answered the phone, and he said, I, I said, do you know who this is? And he said, it's Keenest. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was just kind of like, what's going on, man? And he's like, well, you know, not, not much. You know, meaning, meanwhile, I've heard from multiple people in his life, including his family members, um, that his life is in disarray, that he doesn't come out of his room, that he's shooting tons of heroin, that, you know, uh, he's lying and cheating and stealing and, you know, being the typical shady heroin addict. And, um, and it's so funny because <laughs> when you ask a, oftentimes when you ask a heroin addict how they're doing, they're like, I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm doing, doing great, man. You know, and it's, they're, they're doing good in that moment more than likely because they're high. Um, so who wouldn't be doing good? I'd probably be doing good if I was high on heroin in this moment. But um, I, I was able to, it says in the, it says in the program that if a, a person who has like the proper toolkit, who is equipped with the proper toolkit can win over the heart and mind of another addict or alcoholic in a matter of a couple of minutes, or I think it says in a matter of an hour or less or something like that. And so that's all I did. I'm just like, yo, dude, like, how you doing, man? And he's like, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good, man. How, how you been? I'm like, pretty good, pretty good, dude. He's like, great, what you been up to? And I'm like, well, you know, this and that, whatever. Being sober, you know, I think I kind of sprinkled that in. He's like, oh, cool. And um, it, it quickly, um, 
I was very much guided by spirit. And I was just like, so, so, well, so, so-and-so told me to call you. And uh, they, they, told me that you were, <laughs> they told me that you were a junkie. They told me that you're addicted to heroin. It's like, oh, yeah. Sort of, you know, sort of, maybe, maybe just like a little bit, you know, just kind of doing a little bit here and there to kind of get, get my act together and then I'm going to quit or something like that. It was, it's all the same sort of a runaround. And, um, and I was like, well, dude, you know, how about uh, we had made the, the, I think we had made the, the phone calls um, to sort of have the rehab situation as set up as we could get it. It's obviously them who have to pull the trigger so you can't force someone. Um, although that's what happened to Steve-O from Jackass. They 5150'd him. They, they, they committed him. They basically kidnapped him and sent him to rehab, and he's been sober ever since. Um, Johnny Knoxville and them. Bam, maybe Bam was there. Bam's, Bam's a little messed up too, though, um, it seems. Uh, he actually might be sober now also, but I could be wrong. Um, but anyway, he's kind of giving me the runaround, and uh, I'm like, well, dude, you know, why don't you... Uh, I can't remember how it went exactly. I'm like, well, man, you know, if you want to go to a meeting with me or whatever, or if you need any help, just let me know. And he's, he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I just, again, I need, to, I need to pay off my student loans first, get out of debt, and then I'll be ready to, you know, do something, maybe get some therapy or something like that, you know, as soon as I can afford it like that. And it's just a very typical runaround. And I could feel the tug I could feel the tug of his willingness, or the tug of his spirit. I could feel that something about his spirit was engaged with what I was saying. And it was really, I remember just, I think I just said, yo, dude, like, how about forget that? And, um, and you go to rehab. And it's funny, too, because drug addicts, like hardcore alcoholic drug addicts, are really good at getting really responsible when it's time to go to rehab. <laughs> like really like all of a sudden they're just upstanding upstanding citizen USA you know what I mean and very much concerned about things they've paid no attention to for years and um, thinking that that will solve their problems but if we look back at Course in Miracles lesson 24 I do not perceive my own best interests right so his best interest was to pay off his credit card debt which he probably wasn't going to do anyway um, but his best interests were in fact to go to rehab and I remember just saying to him like hey dude like why don't why don't you, why don't you just go? Why don't you, why don't you just do it? And I could feel like, again, the, like his spirit sort of m- moving, like, or, or shifting or cons- considering. And, and there was this like brief pause and he just went, okay. And I was like, cool. And, um, he went and then I got a call from him, uh, I don't know, like three weeks later or something from rehab and blows up my tech, my caller ID on my phone with, it's like the, the rehab number. And I was like, sweet, he's calling from rehab. And um, he was just, he was ecstatic. He was just like, oh my God, thank you so much, man. I gained 15 pounds and I started working out and I'm going to go to a sober living facility. And turns out the sober living facility he was going to was literally right in my neighborhood where I've been living in Rogers Park in Chicago. And then he went in there. He was in rehab for the standard 28 days. And then he, um, he went to the halfway house and he went through that entire program. This is without any legal stuff hanging over him or anything. He went through their entire program, which I believe took, it was either three months or six months, but he did the whole thing. And, and I would go to recovery gatherings, you know, sober recovery gatherings, because um, by this point, I think I was sober about five years at the time. And uh, 
So I would then, then all of a sudden I'm like seeing him at all these recovery gatherings and seeing him at sober parties and he's just happy and, and stoked to be alive and he just said thank you, you know? And, um, and the principle, uh, the, the 12 steps are brilliantly organized or brilliantly constructed or whatever. Um, uh, the, there's a principle behind every step and the principle behind step two, which is came to believe that a power greater than us could restore us to sanity. That's step two. And the principle behind step two is hope. And so this person went from a person, he went from a human being who had totally hopeless, totally destitute, totally lost, on his way to prison or death soon enough, and he had no hope. And then he, he decided to go to rehab and he came to believe and he got that hope. He came to believe and then hope was given him or hope was given him because he came to believe. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, um, you know, I share this one story from my life this stuff happens in these programs every single day. It has happened today, uh, probably thousands of times, if not more, um, throughout, the, throughout the world. And it's not, did you see how that, that was, I couldn't have consciously directed that. And so if we go back to principle number five, they should not be under consciously, conscious control. Consciously selected miracles are, can be misguided. So God had that whole thing figured out. All I had to do was answer the phone. It was like I mentioned uh, several episodes ago that I got a call from someone I had a, a falling out with. God orchestrated that thing. My job was to answer the phone and say hello and, and, re, and, and accept the olive, olive branch that had been offered me. And in this situation, my only job was to respond to a Facebook message. And then my only job was to call this guy up whose number I've gotten, you know, who I played soccer with when I was in third grade, you know, and he said yes, and, and now this person has been sober like 12 years or 10 years or something or longer, and this sort of thing happens all the time in recovery. It's beautiful, so not consciously uh, directed, and then I'm gonna actually leave off on this one. Um, lesson 10, or principle 10, the use of miracles as spectacles to induce belief is a misunderstanding of their purpose. Right, so I'm not going to get on Facebook and talk about that. I'm not going to get on Facebook and talk about how the anonymous program is the thing that gave me the life that I have. Um, I'm not going to, I'm gonna to try to stay out of controversy around things. I'm just, I'm not gonna to try to convince anyone that God is real. I'm just going to show up. Where is it you'll have me go? What is it that you'll have me do? What is it that you'll have me say? And to who? And if I do that to my best ability and you do that to, best of your, to the best of your ability, beautiful, wonderful, miraculous things will unfold. And if you've been doing this course to the best of your ability, to the best of your ability, and you've been doing your forgiveness work and you are one of those miracle working machines on a mission from God, your life has shifted. You might not see it yet, but it has. Thank you again for listening. Lesson 62. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.